This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Maeve Marston and you're listening to Queer Stories, the podcast for the monthly LGBTQIA storytelling night that I host and program at Giant Dwarf in Sydney. This story was shared as part of a Queer Stories end of year celebration that I named Chosen Family Christmas. 2017 has been a tough year for queers, so it was lovely to come together and celebrate our weird wonderfulness on December 8th, just 24 hours after the passage of marriage equality legislation. That said, Chosen Family and Queer Family is about so much more than marriage, as the stories from that night show. Next up, Amy Coops, who is a med student and writer, but most importantly, was my first girlfriend. Nothing says Chosen Family in the queer community like becoming best friends with your exes. I invited Amy to speak because together we started a tradition of Christmas Eve Chosen Family celebrations 11 years ago, an event we make open to anyone who wants or needs it, a gathering of queers and allies who we love. Back in 2006, we were both struggling with our own families, and so we elected to get utterly wasted on Christmas Eve as a coping mechanism. As we traipsed down Oxford Street at 3am, we decided we would always celebrate the season among our chosen family, and we have. Anyway, Amy decided not to share a story about how much she values my friendship, but I love her and it nonetheless. Enjoy. I was very good at liturgical dance. In fact, I was good at lots of things that pious little Catholics should be. I had an angelic singing voice. I enunciated clearly and understood the need to pause for dramatic effect during prayers of the faithful. (laughs) I had the liturgical bell sequence committed precisely to memory, and I was so damn tall the altar boy's garments were an exact fit. Most importantly, I was good at liturgical dance. But I wasn't a very good Catholic. Part of the problem was that I thought too much. I overthought everything. I anguished over what to say to the priest during my first confession. Should I be truthful about my sins or should I make something up? Part of the problem here was that when I say I wasn't a good Catholic, I really, really wasn't. The worst thing most seven-year-olds had done was lie to their parents about their homework. But I had actually been running a black market business in the schoolyard (laughs) with stock stolen from the storeroom of my parents' shop. I nicked toys and sold them at school for tuck shop profit. And it was a neat little business. These were sins one through three. When I got caught, there was sin number four, blaming my brother. I blamed my brother for everything. The more inconceivable it was, the more stridently I protested. Cat thrown in the pool, it was my brother. Window broken, it was my brother. Someone's been in the peanut butter, 
there was only one person it could possibly be. Fascinating given that there is a four-year age gap, so when he was scapegoated for my plush toy racket, he was three. <laughs> what if I told the priest the truth and he cursed someone to die for my sins? This was my best understanding of Jesus at the time. He, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time when a wizard got pissed. But what if I lied to the priest? That was another sin. The curses were piling up. On the other hand, the rules weren't that you had to confess your worst sin, were they? Technically, I didn't have to tell the priest that I was a prepubescent gangster. What if I told him half the story? What if I said I'd stolen a toy from my brother? See what I mean? I thought too much. The sacraments didn't improve. I ripped my stockings after falling out of a tree at my first communion and said the word shit, which was pretty much the worst transgression you could commit in front of my mother. Unfortunate given she'd married a RAF airman who had delighted in telling me years earlier that his natty little forage hat was a cunt cap and used to wake me up of a morning with the refrain, wakey, wakey, hands off snakey. I was quite genuinely 19 before I realised what this meant. <laughs> Maeve told me. <laughs> and that's why we're still friends. But my sacramental forays would quite pale in comparison to my brother's. For reasons I am sure are a mystery to you, my brother had an anxious temperament. <laughs> Highly strung, prone to the vapours. He would vomit at the slightest provocation and with great regularity. Eating somewhere other than home? Vomit. A babysitter? Vomit. Going on holiday to Warner Brothers Movie World? Vomit. <laughs> the only thing that could calm his nerves were Doritos, which seemed to be some sort of talisman and on which, for all intents and purposes, he appeared to subsist. My brother was probably a good Catholic in the actual sense that matters, but the child could not do a sacrament to save himself. My parents became a little bit lax the second time round, so he wasn't baptised until he was four, and they didn't make him wear the heirloom lacy gown he rocked up in a tracksuit. We lived in Tasmania, so it's fair. <laughs> While the priests went through the niceties, for reasons known but unto the Almighty himself, my brother decided to stick his head through the pew, and once he was there, he got stuck. <laughs> In the end, they had to use the anointing oil to wriggle him free. <laughs> and for days, he reeked of myrrh and vomit. <laughs> the greatest episode of Coop's family Catholic law, however, concerns his first confession. He's a man of few words, my brother, and still waters run deep. He fretted for weeks about talking to the priest, and had we noticed the steadily mounting pile of Doritos packets under his bed, we may have had a clue. But by that stage, I had hit puberty and was far too busy writing tortured journal entries about how fragile and misunderstood I was. <laughs> there are a few things I distinctly remember about that day, and one was his bilious look of panic as the teacher herded him away to sit with his classmates in the front pew. He'd outgrown the yakking habit by then, but at that moment I thought, sweet Jesus, he's going to chuck. <laughs> to his credit, he kept it together until he took to the altar. <laughs> Sitting down on a little plastic chair opposite the priest, his weedy legs trembling, he looked at the man with unmitigated terror, let out a blood-curdling scream, and quite literally sprinted out of the church. 
like a contagion, about five other kids followed suit. <laughs> Shit, my mum said, running after him. The standing room only congregation staring in fascinated horror. Dad yanked me by the arm and we followed in quick succession. Tim was hysterical and no one could get a word of sense out of him until we were home and he had a bowl of Doritos in his lap. <laughs> Calmly and with a glint in his eye, he alleged that I had told him if you got to the altar and you couldn't think of a confession to offer the priest, his head would explode. <laughs> like some sort of malfunctioning android powered by infant shame. <laughs> Having a mental blank, he'd run for dear life. <laughs> Tim won, Amy zero. Checkmate. Thanks for listening. For tickets to the next Queer Stories, visit giantdwarf.com.au. To check out other events I produce and perform in, visit mavemarsden.com. And if you'd like advance or discount tickets to these shows, look me up on crowdfunding platform Patreon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.